Well, good morning, good evening, or good afternoon. I always feel like Jim Carrey anytime I say that. What was that? Was that the Truman Show? Was yeah, that that yeah, movie where so. he would he would you know just greet people and possibly happy, and he'd say. Good morning, if, and if you hear this later, good evening and good afternoon, or something, something I like that. I haven't seen that in so many years. I don't know. I, that It's one of those weird... My favorite was the obvious product placement they yeah, were always doing. Yes, that, that was pretty was fun, actually. That was that was an enjoyable movie, uh, even though it had Jim Carrey in it. And welcome to the show. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor. Uh, this is show number 20, by the way, 2-0. We get to start with a different uh, digit this time. So yeah, well, cool. next next show we'll be old enough to have beers. Yeah, and we'll have to sell. That's it. It's our coming-of-age show next, <laughs> next time. I was wondering what we were going to do for next week. Now we know. Well, welcome to Sip, Smoke, and Savor. This show is all about craft beer, uh, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. My name is Cruz. My co-host, Ian Barry. Uh, Ian is on the wheels. Uh, uh, Ian is is uh, here to my left, and then Bobby Duncan is on the wheels of steel, as we used to say back in the, back in the DJ, uh, club DJ days. DJ so. BD. Yes. So, uh, so, Ian, how was your week, man? Did you have a good one? It was a good week. Yeah? It was very good. I actually ended up on uh, my, uh, quest, my quest for the cloak of inebriation part two okay so you got to tell me about this because you went back second visit to the renaissance, <laughs> to the renaissance festival, festival holy yes. cow well, i had a friend of mine coming to town that was supposed to go with us before but he couldn't make it and then he came to town he's like i still want to do the renaissance festival of course my wife was like we're gonna do the renaissance festival twice i was like yes and, and so, she was loving that because she's all about it, right? <laughs> yeah. So I went out there and uh, we did pretty much the same thing. And I did find the cloak of inebriation at, at some point in time in the evening. I actually ended up, and this is air quotes I'm putting up, napping in my camp chair for a while oh, outside well, my tent. That nothing was wrong good. with that. Yeah, that's that's, uh, okay. that's a good way to spend for, a Renaissance For a good festival. part of yeah. the night, yeah. Yeah, so, so was the cloak where you expected it to be? Actually, I picked it up right where I left it off last time. <laughs> so, but I still couldn't figure out who took it from me in the morning and left me with a headache yeah well that happens you know it's 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 that you know whenever you step into an area where you know it's more medieval sort of uh, times and activities you have to expect you know life returns to the basics you right. find the cloak you go to sleep contented you wake up and you know and it's gone you start well next year there's always next year <clears throat> did you they know? have acetaminophen back in medieval times i don't think I don't. they did <laughs> what did they do like if they were like hung over <laughs> i think they come from a uh, tree bark didn't they? they had to chew on some tree bark i, or I something? think that might be right yeah they always you had, had all that stomach you had to chew on some charcoal yeah they always had all these great like uh, uh remedies which now are back in fashion among many people who are you know the non pharmaceutical right, types. Right. so yeah so uh i i will have all to natural. confess i can't really qualify as non-pharmaceutical so uh it's too much too much baggage there right. um well it is so great to uh, be back uh with you guys again this week we're really excited uh because we're going to be welcoming uh, david graham from the carbock brewery onto the show and uh i've known david for a little while known carbock for just a little while longer than that um but this is going to be awesome because we're going to be able to uh, talk to him about what's going on carbock of course in the in the beer news uh over the past month because of them being acquired uh, and and what that you know all of what that means we get a chance to ask David about it. I'm and, surprised and I haven't met that guy. He knows a lot of people I know, and I know a lot of people he knows. Well, we just haven't run into each other. I, yet. I'm actually surprised because you and I have only known each other for you know a year and a half or so. 
I'm actually surprised at how many people I run into that do know you. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Ian, he's great. You know, <laughs> I drank. That's with not that really guy. what they said. We went on a quest for some cloak one time. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> uh, so uh, David's going to be on the show. We're excited about that. A lot to talk about with Carbuck, and we'll be uh, uh, sampling and tasting some Carbuck and talking about a couple of brews. So we're looking forward to that. David has uh, got those brought in with him. Plus, uh, spirit tasting on the show today, and I, I got a little excited about this when I first found it. It's the um, the Grand Reserva Extra Añejo uh, from the Zavada family, Z Tequila is what it's called. Z Tequila. Z Tequila. And when you see the Z Tequila in the stores, the the, the Blanco and the, uh, uh, the Reposado are, you know, kind of, I hesitate to find the right word for this. It's sort of normal looking, like what you right, would expect right. uh, tequila bottles to look like for, you know, a reasonably affordable tequila. And then there's the extra Añejo, which looks tall and and Yeah, whiskey-like. that looks pretty awesome. You know, doesn't that look like a whiskey bottle to you? It does, yeah, actually. So, uh, so anyway, excited about that, and we'll uh, we'll sample that. That should be good. That is made in Austin, by that the way. That actually looks a lot like the, uh, um, uh, what's it called, Johnny Walker bottle. It, it, I think just because of the color. The squareness. The color of, of the tequila, the squareness, and then the black and silver mm-hmm. and the on the label, so so we have uh, we have all of that to look forward to. Plus a few things happening in the news. Uh, the big smoke, Las Vegas, happened last week. We have a little bit of a report from that. Uh, um, we have we have been chasing this story for three shows now. I promise we're going to get to it. Anthony Bourdain blasts craft beer and craft beer drinkers. <laughs> uh, so we'll talk about that. And if you are a craft beer. Uh, lover and a writer, we might have a job for you. So we'll talk about that coming up uh, on the show as well. So, Ian, did you smoke anything interesting this week? Boy, did I. Yeah, talk to me. Yeah, actually, uh, I pulled out of my humidor, and this was, this was just last night, I pulled out of my humidor a Fratello Boxer Torpedo. This is one that you gave me, as a matter yes. of fact. Well, because when I was at the uh, the Stogie's Wingding, which I talked about, um, that was one of the deals. You know, you get all the cigars for your thing, but then they have all the, the tables spread around. You go around. They're offering different gifts with purchase and stuff. The different cigar companies will be there and have a representative. So I got to talk to the actual president of the company for, uh, for those cigars, and uh, they were offering <laughs> their gift with purchase of the Ten cigar sampler, I think it was. Yeah. Was it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. I've shown this to you. It's. Uh, I'll take a picture of it. We'll post it on the Facebook page. But it's half cigar holder, like a silver cigar holder yeah. that you can carry a cigar. And the other half, instead of putting a cigar in it, it's a flask it's so with beautiful. a top. So it's like one of the coolest ideas ever. <laughs> and I would look at it. I was like, "Oh, I gotta have that. What do I need to buy?" And then, and then I discovered I enjoyed the cigars. But I didn't mean to jump your. Uh, well, no, your no, review. that's quite all right. Did, I love the you, story behind it too. Uh, what I, did you think? I found it to be a fantastic cigar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper, and uh, and I love those anyway because they're so leathery and kind of toothy. They just got a yeah, great yeah, feel, a great to feel them, to them. Mm-hmm. A little bit, little oily kind of wrapper, and it smoked fantastic. There was no tending it; it smoked perfect from beginning to end. Had kind of a peppery, earthy flavor with some leather in the in the aftertaste. And oddly enough, 
uh, I drank it. I drank a. Uh, you'll shoot your eye out with it. Oh, okay. So <laughs> that's well, what we, I had last night. We've got somebody night. sitting on the counter here. I know. I was David looking at that. In, I, was like, hmm, so. I had that last night. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, which went really well with it because that has. We'll talk about it later. I'm sure when we do the the quote unquote tasting, but it has a little bit of spice to it, and it really went well with the peppery kind of creaminess that the uh, that the fratello had. By the way, fratello is the Italian word for friend. For friend, that's what yes, it means. Okay, and it means. I should mention fratello cigars have one of the more interesting cigar bands out there. It's a really it classy, a, it cool a, looking. It's very cool, but yeah. it isn't just round around the cigar. It's almost like V shaped, yeah, yeah. and and like when you take it when you take it off the cigar, it's like wow, how does this even work? Um, <laughs> depending on how we'll many post pictures of that, you'll shoot your eye out you've had, but uh, yeah, so we'll post pictures. <laughs> I I love those cigars. I got the as I said the ten cigar sampler. Because that's uh, what I had to buy to get this yeah, super cool yeah. flask, um, and I've really enjoyed them. Found them to be yeah, that's a great, uh, a just great a cigar. really, really great. Taste, and I think so. they come in, uh, they come in at about seven or eight dollars a piece, right? Um, they're not uh, so they're not so. they're not cheap, but they are premium. And I got to say, they're worth every penny, if not more. So I'd give them a seven or an eight on the nice, nice. on the price to quality price scale to quality, that we yep. use. Love that. Uh, I sampled um, a cigar this week and. Uh, I am just. I said this last week that I'm on a roll. Like the, the last, I don't know, five six weeks. I've just come so in. I've just come in and raving about what I've had. So I, I should have known when I snipped the top off of this one and lit it up that I was going to have yet another rave because it's an AJ Fernandez. Well, uh, it's cigar. hard to mess up yeah. with that. Uh, it was the AJ Fernandez New World uh, Almarante Bellicoso, which is the. Uh, it looks kind of like a box press torpedo. Yeah. And uh, has the little red band around the foot. Uh, it's a the Bellicoso Bell has a slight taper on, uh, yes. on the foot of it. Too, yes, it does. Right? Slight right. taper on the foot, and then it has the and then a torpedo packets end. with the yeah, with the uh, little red band. Right. Uh, it's a Sumatra wrapper, Nicaraguan fillers, and it's another really awesome cigar. I mean, I, I'm just I feel like I'm on a roller. I, I feel bad for the cigar that I smoke that's just okay <laughs> if I do that next week uh, because I've been raving. It's going to make it look real weeks. bad, right? Uh, it starts out with some uh, I'd say like creamy chocolate kind of notes nice. that sort of gives way to a little more spiciness as you smoke it it's it's i thought it was terrific bold spicy and beautifully complex that's been what's like really the common denominator of the cigars that i've been sampling over these past several weeks they've all been very complex they're not just the one note you know here's some pepper or here's right, some right. earth or whatever so uh really liked it burned very well price to value or price to quality i'd Give it about an eight and a half. It's a six to seven dollar cigar, and that's the crazy thing is when you look at it and you see AJ Fernandez, you automatically think you that's automatic. an eleven dollar cigar, more, yeah. you know. But uh, but it's not. So, um, by the way, Cigar Snob Magazine, which is a great magazine, we we need to do a, a actually I want to start doing a segment where we talk about uh, reading material because there's a lot of different cigar magazines, yeah. and beer and and spirit magazines out there, and it's like. Which ones are, are interesting and why? So uh, one of the ones we'll get to when we do that is Cigar Snob Magazine. They rated this best new bang for your buck in 2014. Fantastic, AJ Fernandez, and and I I got to say they were spot on. Recommended highly. Picture will be posted on the Facebook page of that because I I just I just thought it was terrific. So. <clears throat> Wow, so we're both we're both kind of on a roll here. Yeah, if you think about good it, we both had some good. Well, part of it was, and I'd mentioned coming back from the Stogie's Wingding, I came back, you know, with a nice sort of like cornucopia of cigars, and they really they've all been very good so far. Well, and my last big purchase was coming uh, coming back from McCoy's too, where I bought a box and got That's a whole right. bunch of. Uh, 
uh, extra throw-in stuff from that event. And so, I, you know, I've got a lot of Casadas that are fantastic, but I also got some uh, some Casa Magnas and some other things that are just amazing. Mm-hmm. So and I'm spe- having a pretty good cigar month, if you will. Yes. <laughs> I love when you can actually frame it that way. That, that just so totally works. Speaking of McCoy's, McCoy's is the uh, cigar shop in downtown Houston. Uh, we will be doing the show live from there on the 8th. Of December, it's the eighth, right? That should be a good time. Eighth yeah. of the, uh, so anybody that wants to come by will be there uh, on Thursday afternoon, the eighth, and we'll be recording uh, probably around uh, one o'clock. Yeah, or so come in the by afternoon. and hang out. With so us. come by and hang out. They're all they're a lot of fun down there, and we'll be talking cigars and smoking cigars as well as uh, as forcing them to do a little spirit and beer tasting. Yeah, there you well. go. So <laughs> I'm sure we'll make it. Better. Okay, when we come back, uh, David Graham from Carbach Brewery will be with us, and we'll talk Carbach, all things Carbach, uh, one of the fastest growing startup breweries of the last five years. It's Sips and Saver. You are listening to Sip, Smoke, and Savor. It's craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. My name is Cruz, my co-host Ian Barry. Find us on uh, Facebook, by the way, Sip, Smoke, and Savor. Just search that in Facebook. Uh, and as far as listening to the show, we're available, of course, on Radio Brave. Uh, the new show debuts on Saturday afternoons on Radio Brave. And then you can hear it on demand anytime you want. It's available in podcast form, downloadable, or just click and listen. Uh, we're on iTunes. We are in Google. Google Play, and you can find us in Stitcher and a lot of those other podcast apps, as well as you can go right to the SoundCloud page if you want. Uh, and any of those, just search Sip, Smoke, and Savor. That's yeah, and, find us, and so. don't be shy about leaving a uh, leaving a message, a note, a funny emoticon, yeah. whatever makes you happy on the Facebook page. Particularly if Ian says something that really pisses you off. Yeah, you well, know, I'm, I'm good at that. To, try to correct him if you if you can. You <laughs> know, that's, 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 or if I just say something stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, I'll get too many responses. <clears throat> Listen, I, I used to do that when I was uh, uh, when I was working as an on air personality in the old top forty days back in the eighties. If my phones weren't ringing, I'd just say something really stupid, like wrong. I'd say something about like an artist, and I go, "Oh yeah, he uh, got got started uh, in the UK." I just like make something up that wasn't true, and the phones would go crazy. People trying to like, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, you dumbass, uh, he's not from the UK. That's oh, fading a little dude, bit. I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah, it works. It totally works. So, <laughs> so from time to time, one of us here might say something we don't even really mean. We're just trying to see if you guys are listening. So, um, well, I want to uh, welcome to the show uh, a guy that I. I have had a chance to uh, to know for a couple of years and uh, and know about his beer for maybe just a little bit longer than that. Uh, David Graham from Carbach Brewery, Carbach Road. It's Carbach Road or Carbach Street? Carbach Street. It's Carbach Street in Houston. Uh, David is here, and David, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Now, I, uh, I first of all, uh, like total, like uh, putting cards on the table, I'm a Carbach fan, so have been since I first tried your first uh, beer, which I believe the first thing I tried would have been Hopadillo. Uh, and I was in Galveston at the big uh, brew fest, um, the Brewmasters uh, yeah, yeah, Brew the Brewmasters Fest. Festival. And I remember that particular year, I'd kind of made the rounds, kind of done, done tasted this, and I was like, oh, what is this back here? I haven't heard of this Carbatch, Carbach. Uh, and I went back, and, uh, you know, uh, I don't remember who it was that, that 
I met with, but everybody was like just super nice, and they had this big keg back there, and they put it. And I, I was like, okay, so this is so this is a new oh a new brewery in Houston, and you got to remember, it wasn't like today where there's a new brewery in Houston, like. There'll be two by the time we finish the show. Right. Uh, this was back when it was like a really big deal that someone was, you know, launching something new. And then I had my first taste of the beer, and I was like, "Whoa, where can I get this?" And they're like, "Oh, you can't. <laughs> oh, you can't." I'm like, "What are you doing here, teasing me with a beer I can't get?" <laughs> the ultimate tease, uh, yeah. But uh, but you know, it was it was just not quite ready yet for it to be available. And soon it was available, um, you know, on tap at a handful of bars, and before you know it, it was everywhere. So uh, so that was my first experience with Carbock. And I have to say, um, David, you guys took the Houston beer world by storm. I've never seen anything get accepted that fast one day you were brand new and telling me i couldn't find your beer anywhere (laughs) and then you turn around and you're on tap in every place if you go to a place where it had where they have one ipa on tap it was hopadillo and if you if you uh, were in you know first it was you know obviously all the spec stores and stuff but then it was like you know grocery stores in aisle displays in the grocery store beer area and then i'm starting to see you show up in like the timelines convenience stores and stuff like how did you guys pull that off how did you get everyone's attention so quickly and get that kind of uh, shelf space and tap space. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Um, so we started th- that beer festival that you had us at. Mm-hmm. That was our very first event. The next week is when we launched kegs to, okay. to, to draft. And was it Hopadillo? Was it, that what it, I tasted? You, uh, so we would have had Hopadillo and vice versa. That would have been okay. the only two beers that we had available at that festival. Um, but yeah, we I, I kind of call it the perfect storm, right? So we were the second brewery to open within the city limits of Houston, which is, and this was in 2011, which is insane. If you look at 2011 in Denver or Portland or any major city in California, Oh yeah, even with fractions of the population, they had dozens, if There's not- two breweries on your street. Correct. Yeah. 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 So we had the fourth largest city in the U.S. with only one craft brewery within city limits. So I think that was a big part. Uh, mm-hmm. People had already tasted craft beer. They were already a little bit educated about it. There and, just simply wasn't anybody else in the market. And kind of hungry to kind of keep expanding that, maybe. Right. You know? And then uh, to go along with that, um, our, our founders, uh, Chuck Robertson and Ken Goodman, um, before they started Carbach, uh, they go way back into Texas beer. Um, 1982, they started a beer distribution company based out of College Station. Uh, when they started distributing beer, they just had Mickey's, Old English, and Pearl. What <laughs> else do you need? <laughs> hey, in 1982 College Station, you don't need a whole That's lot right. more than that. That sounds about uh, like it. That's like a place to sit. That's it. You know? <laughs> but as they grew, they got really into the craft and import side. Uh, they brought in um, to the state of Texas brands like Chimay, Duval, Sierra Nevada, Dogfish Head, Stone, Avery, Anchor, Left Hand, Rogue. Wow, all, all the real major craft, the, the major prominent craft players. Then. Right, right. So um, that was a big deal for us because they sold their company in 2008. Uh, you know, in the state of Texas, you cannot have both a multi-brand distribution company right. and a brewery. So they right. sold that distribution company in order to start the brewery. Uh, now, the great thing about that is they still knew a lot of the same people that they had right. been dealing with all along. Right. As so, a distributor. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I think that helped us really hit the ground running in terms of getting our beer into these That's bars, restaurants. That's a good Rolodex of people connections would, right People there. would take their call. Right. Yeah. They would take their call. And then the next uh, and, and kind of final thing and maybe most important thing uh, was our brewmaster. 
Um, so we were starting a brewery. We were new, um, but our brewmaster was not. Um, a guy by the name of Eric Warner, uh, mm-hmm. he's been in the industry for over 25 years. He started his brewing career uh, by attending the Technical University of Munich at Weinstephan. So the oldest continuously operated brewery, that's where he went to school to learn. He moved back home to Denver, Colorado after he got his degree, started a brewery called Tabernash, which became part of Left Hand later on. Okay. Uh, and then he was the CEO and brewmaster of Flying Dog. So we brought a guy in uh, with immense experience. cred, yeah, for sure. So that helped us. Not only we got the calls uh, by, by Chuck and Ken's distribution company, we got those calls to meet with the people, but the people knew his beer already. Not necessarily Carbach beer, but they had had Flying Dog. Right. They had had Left Hand, mm-hmm. which was part of his uh, operation at one point. Um, so they trusted that the product so was going to be yeah, he of had a the certain credibility, quality. right? They, they go, well, this this is at least going to be as good as that stuff was. So let's try it. Yeah, right. So it put us at a really big advantage from day one of operations uh, to have that going for us, and I think that's absolutely what helped us hit the ground running as quickly as we did. That's that's a great show. And I didn't know that that the distribution thing totally makes sense. I mean, you would see other craft beers, you know, really struggle to get, you know, to like break through that wall of being able to mm-hmm. be there when you're, you know, I mean, it's one thing when you go into a specs because you know they're going to have a great selection. You're going to be able to try all kinds of new things. But to go into you know, a convenience store and see, you know, the usual, you know, mainstream Budweiser, Miller, uh, and then see maybe Shiner and then Carbach. And you're like, wow, how did they pull that yeah. off? You know, it's it's a really, really big deal. So, yeah, we've been blessed. I mean, uh, we've had a lot of support over the years um, locally and then across the whole state of Texas. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's really about the quality of the beer. And if we're able to put a quality product out there, I think people will uh, will drink it. I'm going to tell you the mother and lager is my absolute favorite, like sessionable, drinkable beer, and it has been since the first time I had it. I didn't even know I like lagers. I had given up on that style entirely by that point, and the first time I tried it, I think was the second year you guys were at the Brewmaster Festival, and um, and I was amazed by how good that was. I just tried it because I was trying everything else, and uh, and by the end of the day, my wife uh, talked one of your guys out of a. Uh, Sympathy for the logger shirt. By the way. Oh. She still wears once in a so while. I love the sympathy and <laughs> and the uh, uh, the mother in law. But what I love about the mother in logger so much is on the can. Doesn't it say she's back? Doesn't yes. it say that on the can like it's its mother in logger, right? Oh yeah, she's back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's one of the brands that we really have fun with. I mean, we have a big passion for loggers. Eric with his German training. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we started in 2011, I, I know it wasn't that long ago, but there weren't a whole lot of craft breweries that were producing. Um, year-round loggers mm-hmm. uh, because it does tie up so much time in the tank to make a logger. And how then, much more than an ale? About double. So is it really? Yeah, wow. yeah. So the, the word logger actually means to, to store. store. To store. Yeah. yeah. So a batch of hopadillo might be turned over, um, you know, from brew to package in three weeks. Um, where Carb Oktoberfest, one of our uh, other loggers, is a full eight weeks. Wow. So it's more mm-hmm. expensive to make, but. There's something about that really smooth, crisp drinkability of a lager. And I think a lot of people have kind of a negative perception of lager uh, in the craft space because they're just used to the industrial lagers that have just 
permeated the market. That's pretty for much so exactly long. what that I was That are kind thinking. of, you know, that don't really have a sort of a dominant taste. They're just, you know, they taste a little like beer and they're carbonated. And maybe if it's really cold outside or if, the, if it's really hot outside and the beer is really cold, uh, you can enjoy it. But you don't, you don't taste it and go, oh, a lager. That's a great, like, you know, it, it doesn't have the same response. Right. Know? So the mother in lager, perfect example. You know, people taste it and they're like, wow, this is has some of the like stout like characters with that roasted kind of coffee like mm-hmm. flavor but then it's super easy to drink it's very clean uh, so it's really the best of both worlds in one in one package. So maybe that is the one we should taste when we uh, come back and uh, taste first. When we come back in the next uh, segment, and we'll begin uh, doing some tasting because I noticed you brought in uh, mother and lager, and then you'll shoot your eye out, which is your your seasonal. Which, by the way, you have to love that name. Uh, Carbuck has <laughs> a lot of great names. That's that may be one of my favorite like. Beer names ever. It's just, that's <laughs> that's just so good. good. <laughs> yeah, thank you. We, we're pretty proud of that name. It took us a while to come up with that one, and that's a fun story uh, in and of itself. Well, I'm anxious to hear that because I'm uh, I'm anxious to know if it's pure. Which, by that I mean, it's from watching the original, you know, uh, Christmas, Christmas story. Christmas story. Yeah, yeah. Or if it is a reference to the Fallout Boy song of the same title. So we'll come back and uh, find that out and do a little Carbach tasting. Plus, the big news about the uh, about the takeover. We'll talk about that coming up. It's Sip, Smoke, and Save. The perfect music for me to mention this. You're listening to Sip, Smoke, and Savor. It's craft beer, fine spirits, hand-rolled cigars. Find us at facebook.com slash sip, smoke, and savor. And hold that thought, Ian. I just wanted to say while we were doing the uh, the Vegasy music there, um, you need to clear your calendar for, I think, uh, October or early November of next year because you and I have got to go to the Big Smoke Vegas. It just wrapped up uh for 2016, you won't have to twist my arm. Yeah, very hard. it's it's a rite of passage now for a handful of people that I know. Like they they you just have to do it every you year. The year's not going to be that uh, they stand in line outside the convention center at the Mirage Hotel, wait for it to open, and boom, they just descend upon Vegas, and it's like a long weekend of cigar panels and smoking and samples and drinking, and it just sounds like you know. I don't know how we would possibly have a good time right. doing something <laughs> like that. But uh, we have to work on getting a sponsor that, to send us there. That almost four thousand people there uh, this year. So the biggest crowd 4, ever. Four thousand. Yeah, people? almost four thousand people were a part of the Big Smoke Vegas. It's the twenty-first annual. Now I've been to a Big Smoke. I actually have been to two of them. I've been went to one in Boston uh, before Boston made it impossible to hold uh, events like that inside the city limits, and I went to one in New York. I, it was actually in New Jersey, but you know. You, the New York the Big area, Smoke, right, right. and uh, and they're fantastic events. They're super fun. I've never been. Um, I'm jealous. But the Vegas one puts them all to shame. So uh, so we have to put that on your calendar. But it would it just it just happened. The reviews were huge. It was a huge de- destination, and the tickets come out right around Easter. So anybody that wants to make their plans to join Ian and I and hopefully some sort of corporate sponsor uh, <laughs> next year at the Big Smoke Vegas, uh, we would love to see you in. And, and hang and, and party with you. You know, just some sort of big, I'm thinking some big sort of corporate sponsor like say, oh, I don't know, 
Carbock beer, for example. <laughs> Somebody small in the business. You know. Just off the top of my head. Just off the top know. of my head. If I were to think about what's a sponsor we would really like. And uh, uh, no, David Graham from Carbock is here. And David, um, we were talking in the last segment about how you guys started with, uh, you started with two, right? You started with when you first, when Carbock first came out, which was how many years ago? Uh, just over five. So we celebrated uh, five. five years was uh, September 1st of this, of 2016. Of 2016. Okay. You guys so, have grown so fast. So fast. I don't know how you've kept up with it. And that has to have been a challenge, right? Being able to put out enough beer to meet. It's great that people want it, but if you can't get it to the store shelves or to the tabs. It has been a challenge. I mean, since we opened our doors, we've basically been in a complete state of constant construction oh, or crap. new stuff coming in, <laughs> which, you know, growing and that demand is, is a great thing, but it is a problem still because you got to make sure that you're able to meet that demand and meet that demand with keeping the beer in its utmost quality, which is, at the end of the day, the most important part. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, it's been tough. Um, our original goal was to do 3,000, 6,000, 9,000 barrels, year one, two, and three. Year one was 8,100, year two, 19,000, year three, 33,000. So it's just wow. been a steep climb, and it's been all hands on deck. A lot of us working you know, six or seven days days a week mm-hmm. and um, you know, putting it all into the, the brewery. I want to mention, by the way, that you guys also have a really cool uh, restaurant, and bar there at the brewery. The food is great. It's it's well above what you kind of expect when you go to a brewery and and you know that has a that has a restaurant attached. Also, uh, my friend Snit plays there once in a while, and he's oh, yeah? convinced that he actually makes the rain happen every time he plays at Carbach. <laughs> yeah, man. When we have live music, it's like a curse. It's just always like always rain. It's completely sunny, and then they fire up the guitars, and, and then just, there's the rain. <laughs> They're summoning it. So, uh, so you started out with uh, with two beers, with the uh, vice versa, and and is that the right way to say? Yes. Is it vice versa or is it vice? It's vice. It's That's vice. That W E I German vi. Yes, vi. Uh, vice versa. Man, we've heard our name Carbach bastardized and it's pronounced a million times, <laughs> but nothing like nothing like vice versa. <laughs> yeah, vice versa. So vice versa is your unfiltered um, hefeweizen. It's it's actually a hybrid between a hefeweizen and a Belgian wit. So we ferment it with that hefeweizen yeast, which gives it that distinct banana clove mm-hmm. flavor and aroma. Uh, but we brew it more like a Belgian wit by adding citrus peel and coriander into the brewing process, which gives it a nice dry, citrusy, little spicy finish. And so you guys started with that and with the Hopadilla, which is your IPA. Right. And then what came next? So next uh, was very soon afterwards. Uh, it did not make the release uh, yeah. because it was in the tank longer. It was the sympathy for the lager. Okay. It takes longer to make mm-hmm. that lager. Uh, so that was only about two weeks after our rollout that we uh, introduced Sympathy, and we hung on to those three for about just another month and a half before introducing Rodeo Clown, mm-hmm. uh, which is your double IPA, yeah. 9.5%. And then that year uh, would have been about this time, maybe a little later, uh, was our first seasonal beer, which was the Yule Shoot Uriah. Okay, so not counting seasonals, how many um, beers are in the line? Not counting the seasonals. How many are on shelves and, and taps year-round? Yeah, uh, good question. We have four that are not seasonal, but we also have um, we also have a seasonal 
and then specialty seasonal. So there's always at least six Carbach beers on the shelf at any time. Okay, cool, cool. Well, I want to talk about one of your, I think, special seasonals that's, a, that's near and dear to my heart. But first, I think we should do an official tasting. And it's, it's, it's funny, on this show, we've tasted a lot of different brands, a lot of different beers, and I've talked about how I am such a fan of Carbach, but we've never done Carbach, and the reason is because I thought we got to get you on the show. So we sort of held back. So even though I've had all the beers, <laughs> we haven't done an official tasting. So this is long overdue. Ian, let's open that bad boy up. Oh, Man, I thought you were going to make me wait forever. I'm so glad you got to finally open it. He's been sitting over <laughs> He's here holding, that can. holding the can next to the mic for the last 15 minutes. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, so this is our first official tasting of a – well, I take that back. We tasted the Crunkin' Pumpkin. Yes. Uh, that was the one Carbock uh, beer that we had done a tasting on, and we liked that. Uh, it was good. That was an interesting episode of the show because we were doing all these um, – Sort of uh, 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 Halloween beers, if you will, Halloween Thanksgiving beers, and uh, it was really interesting how different they all were. Like I sort of expected them to all be okay. Here's this pumpkin-ish beer. Here's this pumpkin-ish beer. Uh, they were all so different. Uh, one was like pumpkin pie. One was like the crust of the pumpkin pie. Uh, it was really quite good. So, <laughs> so Ian just motioned uh, to David to see if he wanted uh, a, a cup of this, and he's like, "No, I've got a can here. I'm good." <laughs> um, so mother. And lager. This this takes twice as long because the lager takes about twice as long to make as the ales. You were saying, that's and, right. And what goes into um, you know what, what was the idea, the thought process behind doing a darker, maltier uh, lager? Yeah. So this is our winter or late fall winter seasonal. Um, so we wanted to make something that is um, strong enough, bold enough tasting for those colder days. Mm-hmm. But let's face it. We're here in Houston, Texas. <laughs> it ain't that cold. Right. So we also wanted something that, while having those bolder flavors, is really easy to drink and great even on a warmer day. So we settled on the Dunkel Lager, which is a, a very authentic German style of beer. Uh, basically just means dark lager. And so what we're doing is we're taking um, some roasted uh, barley, adding that into our recipe, um, and that just gives it that kind of pronounced coffee roast flavor. It's got a really nice sweetness to it, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it uh, al- yeah, it almost feels like, you know, when you mention coffee, you certainly get the coffee notes, but it almost is like a coffee that you have added sweetener to, as opposed to sometimes when you've got the coffee flavor in a beer, it's a black coffee sort of right, a, right. A, a thing. This, this is a little sweeter. Yeah, and a little smoother. You know, some, like, black coffee can be quite astringent. This mm-hmm. is nothing like that. You just get that kind of essence of that coffee flavor while getting that real rich malt character and then that clean, clean finish that lagers It's a real deliver. pretty color, too. Yeah, nice and, nice and dark. Uh, really, so many people that their only experience with lager has been the more uh, traditional, you know, uh, mainstream lagers are really not expecting the color of this beer when they see it poured, you know? Yeah. Well, it doesn't taste as dark as it looks no. either. And you hit the nail on the head. A lot of people will say, oh, I don't like dark beer. But if they try this from a can where they can't actually see mm-hmm. the liquid, they're like, oh, yeah, that's really good. And then you pour it in a glass, they're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize it was that dark. It is certainly a super approachable beer. Do not be afraid of the color of it. It is is definitely easy drinking, but flavorful. For the last three years, I've run sound at the uh, Montrose Beer and Gun Club Chili Cookoff. I just that's which my I one just love sound for him gig. to say that. Yeah, it's yeah. like one of my sound gigs every year. I don't like running sound very much, but I do it for that uh, for that benefit. But uh, it's at the West Alabama Ice House, and I'm there from like eleven in the morning till nine at night almost. And uh, this is what I drink. 
because when it gets warm, it doesn't matter. It still right. tastes great. <laughs> Absolutely. No, you're, yeah. you're right. There are some beers that I just don't like them once they warm up. This one this one handles the warming a little a little better than most. You absolutely do not have to drink this ice cold. Now, uh, just real quickly, contrast this with Sympathy for the Lager, which is the other lager in your lineup. Right. So Sympathy is more like what you'd find as a natural German-style lager or um, even a Czech Pilsner. Mm-hmm. So it's more golden in color. Uh, definitely has a little bit more snappy hop uh, profile to it, a little bit more bitterness, uh, but still very clean and smooth. The, uh, Sympathy would have more of like a honey, biscuity, malt flavor. That's where this is that darker, richer malt character. And a sympathy year round, but mother and lager is seasonal. Is right. that the way it sympathy is? Sympathy is our year round lager. So at any time, uh, you can definitely find a good lager on the shelf. Uh, but we have quite a few lagers in our seasonal rotation. So mother and lager, uh, our Z German Pils uh, comes out in January. Um, real nice, snappy German style Pilsner. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, of course, actually, my favorite is our Carb Oktoberfest, a really authentic Meritzen style lager mm-hmm. uh, in the fall. All right. Well, this is quite good. I would say this is, uh, for my tasting, kind of unique. I don't think I drink a lot of other dark lagers. So, I, you know, I don't know a lot of uh, dark lagers, but it sure is good and sessionable. We are uh, Sip, Smoke, and Savor, and David uh, Graham is our guest from Carbock. We have more Carbock to taste, plus we'll do a little tequila tasting, and we'll talk about the big event that just took place at Carbock when we come back. Smoke and Savor, craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Speaking of fine spirits, an interesting article that I stumbled across this week. um, Gin, particularly premium gin, is one of the fastest-growing segments of the spirit industry, which is kind of interesting because we've talked on the show about how you know whiskey is like just you know just absolutely blowing up, uh, premium tequila, premium rum, but gin, which has been in a decline over the past five to six years in terms of just total amount sold, uh, has turned back around, and the analysts and experts are saying it is basically because of the premium and ultra-premium gins that are coming out. Now, I have to admit, Plus, I know, it makes delicious martinis. I know very little about gin. See, I make vodka martinis when I make them. And, and Tom Collins. And, and I just, I, I need, we need to get a gin specialist on okay. the show. Um, we're going to make this happen. Now, okay. I, a challenge accepted, sir. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so this is something you can do. I love yes. this. So, All right, good. I, I really want to do this. And, and I really want to, I've had a gin martini before, but I would love to, in the context of tasting on the show, I would love to side by side taste the gin martini and a vodka, vodka martini, martini made essentially to be as close to each other as you can uh, other than the primary spirit and just see okay what is the true martini isn't spirit? the true martini actually gin i, I mean if you ask a lot of bartenders yeah, right i think it's supposed yeah. to be yeah I've just, i I've think just always martini is an italian word for big ass shot <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I think that's like right. My translation might be slightly off, but I'm pretty sure that's what it actually is. <laughs> I think you may be right. And that's you That's not a bad thing. No. Certainly in the vodka side of it. I mean, the best martini, quite frankly, is one that's a tiny tiny bit of like uh, olive juice and the rest is all vodka. 
Right. Black on ice. So uh, anyway, so uh, Jen, the high end segment is really, uh, really taken off. So that's kind of interesting. And we have not done a gin tasting either. So we need to we need to do that. on the show. do that. So. But you know what I have here in my hand? Ah, uh, yes. I have the Grand Reserva. Mm hmm. Oh, what is all this? this you know, it, Z. It, yes, it's a Z. Extra Añejo. It's Z a Zavada tequila. family Z tequila there Grand Reserva Extra Añejo. And Extra Añejo is uh, is stored and aged for even longer than Añejo. To be an extra, I think, and I forget what the designation is. And this says four years just, on this one. Yeah, four years. Nice. Four years. So. Here we go. All right. Oh, that, oh, that was, was pretty good. nice too. That worked. That worked. Those so, are real sound effects, by the way. Yeah. When we do that, really, I couldn't tell. I thought they were expensive <laughs> recorded ones, <laughs> recorded in like some like sort of quiet studio somewhere. Uh, no, that's good. I, I I like that we do our own. Uh, uh, Bobby, we're gonna have tequila. Yeah, yeah. yeah, love it, love it, love it. So, so this is an extra añejo. So now, in theory, and this is, I would say, this is about a seventy seventy five dollar. Uh, bottle. So this should be if if it's if it's worth its salt. This should blow away the thirty a, and forty. There's an interesting label on this as well. Yeah. It says it says based in Austin, uh, Hecho in Mexico. Uh, yeah, so Sorry so for the butchering the, the Spanish. The there. the uh, agave obviously comes from uh, from Mexico, and uh, usually from the Jalisco region. And then the uh, the actual distillery uh, is in Austin. So I see ah. you smelling this. What are you picking up, Ian? Uh, well, it smells very tequila. It smells very aged, though. You also mm-hmm. get that uh, spice, the wood in there. Now, David, are you a tequila guy? You know, I, I like tequila. I don't know as much about it as, as I should or, or maybe aspire to. Um, but this definitely smells good. I get some of that just aged oak quality. Mm-hmm. This is one of the best tequilas I've ever tried in my life. Get a little oh, bit. did you just sip it? Yes. Okay, now I'm really interested. Now, by the, <laughs> way, by the way, this should be, you know, based on the price and, and the aging, right? This should be a real upper echelon. This tequila. has almost no burn None on at the all. front yeah. end whatsoever. Just enough to let you know that it's actually right. tequila. That's it's exactly right. Uh, and David. then when you swallow it, just the 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 uh, the heat grows just enough to go. Wow, that was really good. Okay, so a, a few weeks ago on the show, right around Halloween, um, we uh, we had the uh, Skelly. Uh, tequila. Which Remember the one that came good. in there? Yeah, and that became like my new favorite tequila. And one of the reasons is because of how smooth it is, how you don't really feel that, that tequila burn feeling. I would say this has a tiny bit more burn to it than the Skelly did. Well, I think this one doesn't have quite as much uh, other flavors up front. Right. The Skelly has is, is got several interesting other flavors. Right, right. The Skelly is a little more complex. The Skelly is about is, a $50 bottle of tequila. I mean, I'm tasting... So this is I'm good, definitely you know, tasting, 20 bucks the, more. The, tasting the wood in this. This is mm-hmm. very... From from the the wood from the uh, from the barrels that right. it's aged in, so um, yeah, this is really nice. There's honey still picking mm-hmm. up the honey notes and a little bit of vanilla, yeah, which vanilla. you almost have to have some vanilla notes in a tequila, especially one that's been really aged. So yeah, mm. when you put it in the barrels, that's going to happen. Wow, so. Ian, you got to come. Up. We we got to like sit down with this bottle and this is so contemplate good. the mysteries of the universe. And, and you dude. don't put anything in this. No, this is, no. Definitely, this is amazing. This is yeah. this is room temperature, slightly below room temperature, mm-hmm. and it is uh, just fantastic. Wow, I'm glad you like this. This is uh, this is very interesting. So so it's the Zavada or Zavada family, the Z 
tequila. It's the Grand Reserva Extra Añejo. And I think I mentioned this earlier in the show, but the uh, the bottles of the um, Zavada family tequila, uh, the bottles of the Z, look more like sort of like typical tequila bottles. They're a little more ornate, a little more interesting and funky. This one, though, just looks sophisticated. It's completely different from the other tequilas in the line. It's tall, looks almost like a, a whiskey bottle, and it's... Uh, Wow, it's yeah, really it's, good. i got to have some more of this. <laughs> it is very good. Uh, that's very interesting. So, All right, so now that we've plied you with tequila, David, um, talk We're to us. We're getting them loosened up. Yeah, yeah. Talk to us about what just happened with Carbuck, which is you guys being acquired by one of the you know biggest brewing companies in the world. And uh, talk about, first of all, how it happened. And then we'll have some questions about what this means for a good old little family local neighborhood brewing company like Carbach. Sure. So, yeah, the news has been out there for a little over a week now. Um, Carbach uh, has been brought into the, the high end segment of mm-hmm. uh, AB InBev. Uh, so That's the high. Anheuser-Busch. Which is Anheuser Busch, right? Yep. InBev Corporation. Uh, yep. So the high end uh, is a collection of, of 10 different. Um, breweries around the country and then um, there's a cider company as well in there Um, brands like Goose Island uh, Ten Barrel uh, out of Oregon um, Elysian out of Washington Mm -hmm. Golden Golden Road um, Breckenridge Mm -hmm. Um, so basically uh, you know AB InBev uh, and the high end segment has been trying to strategically find um, breweries across the country that they can bring into their fold uh, to help advance their placement among the craft consumer. So, first question before we get into uh, what this means for Carbach, is there a little bit of a beer geek in you that is so thrilled to be recognized at, with some of those brands that you just mentioned? Sure, I mean you know, that makes you feel like whoa, we are we are like you know we're being mentioned in the same breath as Breckenridge and and, and these guys that have maybe been established a little longer than Carbot. Not all of them, but you know some of them. Yeah, I, I believe we're the youngest, maybe out of all of them. I don't know that for a fact, but uh, yeah, like Goose Island has a, a long long we, heritage. We're big Goose Island fans. Yeah, Breckenridge yeah. has been around over twenty years, so. Uh, definitely, there's some established breweries uh, that are now part of that. Uh, we're part of that family. So, with uh, beer sales in general kind of on the decline, with um, the major mainstream brands really on the decline, you are seeing the Anheuser Bushes and the uh, the Miller Coors guys. You're seeing them take a larger interest in craft beer and getting involved. Of course. If you're a craft beer like aficionado, you immediately worry that this is going to impact the beer that you are pouring out of the can or getting from the tap. So, talk to me about what this means for the act. What does this mean for Hopadilla? What sure. does it mean for Love Street? Yeah, fair question. Um, so, first of all, there's a lot of misinformation out there. So, I'll just take a little uh, chance to dispel some of that. Uh, one. Uh, is that everybody's going to lose their jobs, which is just absolutely not true. Um, Carbach has about 190 employees, mm-hmm. uh, and 100% of those employees uh, have been retained. Uh, no one had to re-interview for jobs or anything like that. Uh, benefits uh, after this whole deal is complete will actually be um, better for those employees. So that's one thing from the uh, just human interest. Uh, it's doing a lot of uh, positive for our employees. Um but the beer, which is what a lot of people care about, right? So 
Um, the beer is still going to be continued to brew uh, brewed at Carbach. Uh, we have uh, this year we're going to do about eighty two thousand barrels in capacity. Uh, we can grow on our footprint to two hundred twenty five thousand barrels of capacity. So there's still a lot of room to grow uh, by only brewing beer at Carbach. Another misconception is that now we're going to uh, be serving you know Bud Light or Budweiser at the <laughs> restaurant or the beer garden. <laughs> That couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, in fact, uh, it would actually be illegal for us to do so. We can only serve what is brewed what on you make site. On premise, yes. That is the only thing we can serve. So, um, people who are speculating that, uh, I think that's a little bit misplaced. So, what about the label of being a sellout? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have thrown that around. Uh, other people have been more congratulatory. What does it um, mean? You know, like for me, I like to see a local local boys do great you know that makes me excited and i like to see you know someone up and coming go further with it but what does it actually mean sure to you guys when you hear that well yeah i don't think anybody likes to be called a sellout um i think you know that's always kind of a derogatory mm-hmm. uh, word no one really says that in a, a positive light um but i think it is uh, at the same time a recognition that uh chuck ken and the other founders um really did a great job establishing this brewing company to bring in the interest of someone like that uh, to acquire us. I, I always think that the whole sellout thing is a, it's a difference actually in just sort of like terminology and point of view. If you are a rock and roll band and you know you're just the little indie band on the corner, people think you're cool and you have cred. But once you achieve max maximum as as success, you popular, you're, you're a sellout. Out, yeah. In the hip hop world, it's not like that. It's like you're rapping on the street corner, you're doing mixtapes. All of a sudden, you get major success. They're like brother got paid and that this, that's kind of how i think a, a different way to look at this this is good this is our hometown brewery and they're getting major recognition we'll talk about that more plus we'll taste the yule shoot your eye out seasonal brew when we return at sip smoke and savor Sip, smoke, and savor. Craft beer, fine spirits, hand-rolled cigars. My name is Cruz, my co-host Ian Barry, and our special guest David Graham from Carbock Brewery. little music from the Suffers there, and it draws a nice parallel because Suffers are like this wonderful, uniquely Houston band that are starting to get like real national attention, and we're kind of like, go Suffers! And then we're like, wait a second, wait, wait, hold on, I... Wait. I kind of want you to be my favorite band. I don't want my friends in like uh, uh, Oregon to know who you are. That's, that's you the know? gray line between sellout, right? Yeah, as that, soon as they're popular, exactly, then they're sold out. Yeah, it's exactly what we were talking about. <laughs> so with uh, with the AB InBev uh, purchase of Carbock, um, David, we talked about you know the whole sellout thing briefly, though. How does it make you guys? I mean, is is there a part of it? Obviously, you got to be happy that you're getting this kind of recognition. You're getting obviously a cash, you know, influx, which will enable you to do some other things. But then, how does it make you feel when, like, you'll you'll have a local, you know, sort of cool, you know, uh, beer spot that says, "Oh, we can't sell you anymore uh, because we only have, you know, uh, independent beers." On tap, does that sting a little bit? Well, sure. I mean, nobody likes to have their product uh, taken off and uh, to be like kind of a public deal. Like we're not going to carry you anymore. But just as we made a business decision for our business, they make a business decision for their for business. Sure. And yeah. you know, they um, 
they can use this to their advantage to market their business. And I get that. Um, but what I want to implore people uh, to, to at least wait and see is, you know, give us the opportunity to prove to you, the drinker, that the quality of the beer does not change. Taste Rodeo Clown again in six months or a if, year. If Mother in Lager yeah. changes, I will know. Right, right. <laughs> I will right. find you. That's right. Exactly. But, you know, it's still being brewed at Carbach by Carbach Brewers. And, you know, these guys are smart, right? AB, MBEV, they're, they're not dumb folks. They invested in this because they like what we're doing. They mm-hmm. like the culture that we have at the brewery. They like all of that. So for them to just purchase it and come in and change everything, it's not really a logical thing. Now I heard how a, much. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, how much is this going to broaden your distribution and your ability to grow? Yeah. So that's a great question. It will definitely help us grow. Chuck and Ken did a fantastic job of taking us from the ground zero to where we're at from today. From zero to sixty. Yeah. But they realized that hey, we could we know how to grow this thing to about a hundred thousand barrels. Beyond that, we don't know what we're doing, and we don't know how to actually, you know do that capitalize on that if if this uh, brewery becomes um let's say let's say you grow to the size of uh, sam adams right uh which they're available all over the country they sell lots of beer probably what four or five times bigger than way bigger, about, than, way that. bigger than that so yeah. we, we're going to do about 80 thousand eighty two thousand barrels this year sam adams will do somewhere around three million barrels so if that were to happen to you across the next couple of years right how is is it difficult to keep the quality of the beer consistent when you're brewing that much more? And how do you do that? Yeah, well, I think that would be uh, an unbelievable scenario if if that were to happen in a few years. But um, you know, I think that is one of the difficult things about growing uh, is taking those batches and continuing to push more out mm-hmm. uh, while keeping the quality the same. If you're doing more, is it harder to keep the 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 quality if you're doing more quantity it's harder to do it if you don't know what you're doing if you have been have not been in those uncharted waters Mm -hmm. but the great thing is is now we are with people who have been in those waters and they know how to scale recipes if it were to get get to that point again we still have a lot of room to grow just by brewing the beer at carbach and only carbach so So you're not even thinking about that kind of scale right now not yet absolutely not um and for the immediate future we're still focused really just on texas we still have not completely filled out the entire state of texas Mm -hmm. now i say just texas i mean louisiana might be a possibility sure sure it's just so close i mean we're in el paso but we're not in louisiana right but our approach right now is still very much a localized approach a regional approach it's not just overnight gonna go and to that's 50, worked 50 really well states. for you so far so so far as that yeah absolutely i mean you're able to have more control over the product the closer you keep it to the source now you talked about how much the ab imbev guys liked the product liked the brewery liked carbach gonna ask you to comment on a rumor that i heard um i heard through the grapevine that the thing they were really head over heels about was carbach love street that that's what they thought this is the reason we want to buy you know obviously there's got to be a lot of reasons for sure put down that kind of money but but the, that was maybe like the driving factor any truth to that i hadn't heard that personally but um uh, felipe who is the head of the high end i think in the chronicle article did mention that uh when he visited the restaurant uh for the first time before mm-hmm. we were even talking to them uh that he had a love street and he really loved it so I, I don't know if that means that that was the whole reason for it, but uh, 
he he did say that he had a love street and really liked it. That's funny, like having somebody visit like that. That's kind of like the restaurant that has the restaurant critic show up, and yeah. they, but they don't know that he's the restaurant <laughs> right. critic. And you're like, exactly. Oh, what? then you find out later. You're like, what did he order? What do we give? You know. <laughs> Apparently, he had a love street and he really really liked it. So, uh, your seasonal is you'll shoot your eye out, and we're going to open some of this and do a tasting right now. Go ahead. You'll Ian. shoot your eye out by the you'll, way, spelled Y U L E, of course. You'll shoot your eye out, and it has a picture of the leg lamp mm-hmm. on it and i can tell you as ian opens that up uh that uh, i definitely got from the shaking of the head earlier it is named after the line from the movie and not the fallout boy song so <laughs> yes that is can, that you is can true rest, uh, you can rest comfortably knowing uh, uh <laughs> knowing that um when what year did uh, this come out as a holiday beer uh it came out um in 2011 for the very first time it was very limited just draft mm-hmm. um in fact we uh did not even get a name for this until um, it was ready to be packaged the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had just called it, uh, legally speaking, it was just Carbach Christmas Ale. Carbach Christmas and, Ale, um, interesting. Yeah. So we were ready to package it, and we're still thinking of a name for it. And so we're sitting there next to the tank that it was carbonated in, and we're just pulling samples off, and we're drinking. And, you know, an hour goes by, we're still drinking. <laughs> Two hours go by, we're still drinking. And we just start talking about Christmas and about what we do at Christmas time. And somebody mentioned you know how it's it's ridiculous that there's like the 24 hour marathon of a christmas story yes now. it always is yeah. <laughs> and, and so we started talking about that movie and somebody said hey you'll shoot your eye out and somebody was like that's it and then somebody went further to be like y-u-l-e you'll well, shoot you're, your eye out yeah. so funny story about that is so we decided that i mean in truly the 11th hour and we were shipping the beer out the next day and this is when we were still self-distributed so we had to get tap stickers to put on those taps we didn't have time to really come up with a graphic, so I, and I regret doing this, um, but <laughs> I I just took little Ralphie's face, and that oh, was no. that was the tap yeah. sticker. <laughs> and, um, How about, long did it take? Well, about five days is what it took. <laughs> so five days later, I get, this, uh, I get this FedEx delivery, and at the exact same time, I get a phone call from California, and I'm literally holding this envelope, and I pick up the phone, and it's a lawyer. And uh, he represents Peter Billingsley, uh, yep. the, the actor. Yep. And he said, hey, you're going to open this envelope, and it's going to be really strong worded. It's going to seem really threatening. All we want is you to take the face off the tap stickers, <laughs> and it's all good. Um, yeah. So the way they found out about that is, uh, and I didn't realize this at the time, but one of our accounts was uh, Alamo Drafthouse. Great oh, movie theater, yes, right? great movie theater, yeah. Well, the owner of the Houston franchise of Alamo Drafthouse is Peter Billingsley's brother. So he walked know that. he yeah. walked into work and there and he saw his, his brother's brother face on the tap. Oh, no. <laughs> That's so great. And actually had a chance to meet Peter Billingsley at the opening of uh, the newest Alamo Drafthouse. Uh, well, it's not that new now in Cyprus. He's a very mm-hmm. nice, nice guy, and we sent him some of the beer, and that's it's all great. good. That's great. Well, you'll shoot your eye out, and I love this uh, illustration that's on the can, uh, the leg lamp. Uh, so that totally works. Uh, tell us a little bit about this specific brew. What style is this, and uh, how did it come about? Yeah, so when we started making this beer, our kind of muse was to think about the smells and flavors coming out of like your grandma's kitchen during mm-hmm. the holidays. Yep. And so this is a black ale brewed with cocoa nibs, cinnamon, nutmeg, cardamom, allspice, fresh cut ginger, and orange peel. I will say there's enough um, spice in here that I don't, I didn't make the black 
black ale connection until you said it just now. Like, right. like it, uh, like yeah, I get it now, but like it really doesn't taste like a black necessarily. And it's because all those spices are dancing around on your tongue. Right. right? Yeah. I mean, it, there's not like a ton of coffee flavor or anything like that. Um, it's really just a nice sturdy malt base to let those spices dance off of. Well, it's it's really really good too. This, this is, is a good beer. It's one of my favorite. I think of the holiday. Ends. And I like I really that it's available so. in cans now. Because mm-hmm. I remember when it first came out, it was just bombers. Right? Yeah, we uh, back then we weren't able to produce enough to you know when you buy cans, uh, you have to buy one hundred and sixteen thousand units. Oh, that's uh, all. When you buy labels, you could get one label if you wanted to. So, <laughs> so. Um, as we grew, we were able to get to a point where we're actually able to produce that much to justify canning it. So we're almost out of time. I have two quick questions. Sure. The first is, does the uh, purchase allow you guys even more ability to experiment and come up with new things? Uh, or will you stay kind of on the track where you were? No, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it takes our eye off of managing construction projects and worrying about how to grow the business, and it puts it back in the brew house where we're able to really concentrate on what we believe we're good at, which is making beer. And last question, dude. Staycation. When can I get that year round? And how did you come up with one of my favorite beers of the last couple of <laughs> That's years? That's a pretty good beer. It's, wow. It is a great beer for the Houston climate. It'll be out opening day of baseball season, and it'll last uh, basically through mid-August. Um, I'll be honest, I'm way more excited about that than I am about opening day. <laughs> <laughs> well, stay tuned. I mean, the hot stove's just heating up. So, Well, David, thanks for being on the show. Congratulations on your acquisition. I do think it's a positive thing, and uh, uh, we will keep on loving Carbach, and we sure want to have you back on. Thank you so much Thank for having you. me. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor. Thank you guys for listening. Find us on Facebook, and we're just about out of time. So, Ian, cheers, my friend. Cheers. I'm going to have some more of that tequila. Have a great week. In the circle shadow of the white right hand Then that ghetto allergy is an urban Vietnam Given deadly exhibitions of murder by Nepal This is Radio Brave Keep listening, it gets even better Now let's do it up Ra- Ra- Radio Brave